Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Hey everybody, I trust you're doing well. I have what I think is a a great message for you today to um, to encourage you this um, this Easter time on what is uh, believe it or not Good Friday. I know it's not been easy to recognise that it is because everybody being off work and all that stuff, we barely know what day of the week it is. Never mind the holiday. But my prayer for you is that this will be the goodest of Good Fridays, that something will touch your spirit and lift your heart and uh, uh, <clears throat> take you further and higher in in all that you are and all that you are seeking to be. Um, it came to my attention as well that uh, some people don't have internet connections, so therefore uh, are not able to watch this as most of you will be watching. If you know someone uh, like that, <clears throat> If you can let us know, I'll have a word with Danny. We'll see if we can get a CD or a DVD out to them so that they are uh, not cut off. Let me also say what I uh, have said before. Be friends to those with whom you're friends. Talk to those to whom you talk. <clears throat> and that way we can try and make sure that most of the family uh, at Q uh, get some kind of connection and contact until such times as we're all able to uh, to come back together again and and again I reiterate if you come across anybody who's um, dealing with specific need at this time please um, please let us know so that we can uh, we can try and do something to uh, alleviate our help in that situation so what I want to share with you today what's been going around in my spirit and and my heart, please forgive me as well if I uh, am doing a little bit of the <coughs> clearing that um, I've been struggling with all of this for, for over nine weeks now and uh, antibiotics and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we're getting there. So please forgive me if uh, if it's distracting uh, to any of you. Um, every one of us has a terminal condition for which there's no cure. Uh, sooner or later... It will get us all. Uh, it's called birth. And uh, this is the one thing that we will all ultimately die from. Um, in thinking about that, I think it's important for us to recognise that <clears throat> the opposite to death is not life. The opposite to death is birth. Life is something else and uh, I can't offer you a cure to this thing called birth but I can offer you the treatment there's a tremendous um, line in 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 the movie Braveheart which I think drips with wisdom and it's something since the very first time I saw it 1984 can you believe hecky thump that's that's a long time ago <clears throat> um, 
But I have never forgotten that word. It hit me the first time I heard it and it's, it's kind of stuck with me. Whether I'm very good at, at um, um, outworking the challenge of that is another question. But the great line in the movie was, all men die, but not all men truly live. What a, a phenomenal statement. All men die because we've got this terminal condition called birth. <clears throat> but not all men truly live. Um, I have to say that the perspective that I got from the gospel that I was given was was more that it was equipping me to die successfully than than to live successfully. The, the, the focus was about how do you get to heaven? Um, where do you go when you die? Are you ready to die? Are you going to be with Jesus forever and ever? And um, I think in the context of this thing that we deal with between our birth and ultimately that killing us um, is the bit that really wasn't dealt with. And yet that's the bit that's so very important because we're here and we're alive. So the perspective I got from that was was all about kind of teaching you to, to die successfully. And, and what that did, and I'm talking personally now, some of you may relate to this in varying degrees any joy i experienced here on earth was always tainted in my mind by by verses like the one in hebrews um, in chapter 11 i think it's verse 25 and it says these words listen to this moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of god there's there's a lot of joy okay um, come to God, follow this path, uh, suffer affliction. Moses rather cho chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. The good, you know, if you're a God lover, if you're a believer, you're a Christian. This is what you must steal yourself for. Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. What that did to me was was to suppress my ability to free my heart and spirit and my being to truly enjoy life there was always this pressure and i think i think i think religious perspectives do that and i think christianity has been extremely guilty of doing that this pressure that somehow to enjoy life is is a, an indicator that you are betraying God himself see, see to me it felt like a betrayal of God himself if I developed a deep-seated love for life so therefore I couldn't develop a love of life because in doing so I would be betraying God because the likelihood was that I would enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season uh whatever that meant usually it meant everything except except coming to church reading the bible uh praying and telling other people about jesus if those of you know exactly what i i mean by that but the actual betrayal was was not bet a betrayal of 
of God himself. The actual betrayal in that perspective was 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 the betrayal of the greatest gift given us, which is our humanity, which is our life. Somehow we missed the perspective because of people like Augustine in the in the 300s, who was the one who introduced to the Christian community the what's known as the doctrine of original sin. We were all born in sin. We are we are um, we are all prone totally to sin. That we are incessantly evil. That as the Calvinist branch of belief say, we were totally depraved. Uh, without help and without hope except for how they then would try and bring into that the story of uh, of the death of Jesus which I would differ with their interpretation to some degree on that well maybe maybe to a great degree maybe totally I, I don't know um, uh, because of that we we did not understand and accept that the Bible beginning where it does begins with a celebration of life it life is the gift that we are given by the god by the creator by the source by the divine life is the gift that we are given we are breathed into which is spirit breath is the same word for spirit we are breathed into uh, and and we have we have this wonderful gift of life and we became human beings not human doings human beings so 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 life was a gift humanity is a gift but somehow religious perspectives push us away from embracing the gift of our humanity and the gift of this life so Sorry, I just had to kill a wasp on the desk. It was rather large and uh, I didn't want to be stung by it because any screaming I would have done would not have been a visitation of the Holy Spirit or whatever. It would have been my absolute pain from this jolly wasp that is now dead, but I won't bother you with a picture of the remains of the wasp. So, so I live my life under a, a seemingly mountainous array and maybe this is some of you as well from different perspectives for different reasons. But but living under this seemingly mountainous array of thou shalt nots. Uh, it, it kind of when I reflect on it, it was it was mostly that God didn't have time to tell us much about about inerrant goodness because. They were too busy and the list was too long to read out all the thou shalt nots. So I lived under what I would call a sin siege mentality. Uh, never good enough, not good enough. Thank God that you're forgiven, but you still got to recognise that you are prone in any given second, any given moment in, in word, thought and deed as the Anglicans and Catholics have it, who uh, rightly point out that in their tradition we were always asking for mercy lord have mercy lord have mercy lord have mercy and if any of you have been around that circle they have a, a prayer called Kyrie Eliason which really uh, that means lord have mercy but it's just so that it doesn't appear we're doing too many lord have mercies we'll we'll hide that in latin 
so you don't realise. What, what kind of a God does that talk about? What kind of a value does that give to our humanity? It's all suppressive. It's all judgment. It's all, it all imbibes guilt and a lack of self-worth and, and shatters confidence. So, so I, I lived, I lived under this sin siege mentality uh, for a great part of my life. I, I was never taught to live in the wisdom conveyed by Paul in in one Corinthians chapter six and one Corinthians chapter ten. One deals with sexual immorality as the subject matter. The other one is is about gifts that are offered to idols. But I said that that's dealing with how you address the predominant and existing culture. But in both of these things, Paul says this and he repeats himself. Everything is permissible. Now, I was never taught that. I was basically told, taught, uh, if not in words, certainly by implication, nothing is permissible. <laughs> right? But Paul steps in with his understanding of, of, of the God of grace and of, of the gospel being good news. And he says, look, look, people, listen to me, please. The truth is, because of the covenant that God has worked for us and with us and has been existent upon us and through us, that Christ has has, has re-emphasized re toward us, that we, we know as the new covenant, um, he said everything is permissible, but he follows it. But by by, but not everything is beneficial. So, so, so you're allowed to do anything, but but you should measure it by: is this really beneficial? And he, he repeats that and says everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. In other words, um, everything is permissible. You you can you can do the stuff you want to do, but just bear in mind that. That if you do some of that stuff, if you do it in certain ways or to certain degrees, it will become your master rather than you being the master of it. And that's when we, the words we would use is um, addictions. Uh, arenas where in all of these things we are medicating a deeper need because now we have become mastered by something that may have been permitted but we've not kept it within its proper boundaries my point being this that, that there is a wisdom that says everything is permissible but just just so long as you know not everything will benefit you everything is permissible but some things will master you therefore in the freedom that you live just bear those things in mind and they will help to mitigate the choices that you make so that you can live life to the full, not not drop out of life, but live life to the full. Now, when you talk like this, some people argue, and I've had these arguments thrown at me. Oh, what's to stop you going out and raping and stealing and abusing and being promiscuous? Well, I have a confession to make. I go around all the time raping and stealing and abusing and being promiscuous just as much as I want, which is not at all. Stop having such a low regard of humanity. There is goodness within humanity more than there is evil. 
And part of the gospel is to bring from within that goodness, give it, give it a platform, a space, an environment in which that goodness can find its fruitfulness, can find its growth, can find its development. So don't have a low regard of humanity. Start from a high regard of humanity. Now, I know there's some bad people about out there, but, but there's a lot more good people out there. And then uh, on top of all that, um, there's the tyranny of the shoulds. I should have done that. I should have known that. I should have been that. I should have had that. I should have wanted that. The tyranny of the shoulds. That tyranny of the shoulds will kill life quicker than it takes to say, help me, Jesus. It's a tyranny. It's a tyranny that will seek to dominate you. It's in all of us. The tyranny of the shoulds. I think that's the very thing that Jesus was talking about in, uh, in, in John chapter 10, verse 10, when John records it as this, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. The, the shoulds is a thief. It's a thief that comes only to steal, kill and destroy. It will never benefit you, help you, improve you change you bring you peace all that the shoulds will ever do is tyrannically get a hold of you and kill your life and your expectation of your life and your memory of life or oh, should have should have should have listen you've got to deal with the tyranny of the shoulds and uh, we deal with that by by the prescription that i am going to give you today um, so, so the thing Jesus was talking about deals with the tyranny of the shed in John chapter 10 verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill, destroy. But that verse goes on to say, and I don't want you to miss or miss out on this killer statement that he's following. But I have come. Right? I have come. The, the, the message, first of all, there. He goes on to say, I've come that you might have life, but it's first I have come. The, the, the great revelation of the coming of the Christ was that you and I might have life, that we might repossess re this wonderful gift of life. It, it's the I have come. The Christ miracle is God with us, God in us, God as us. The Christ miracle is that God is with us all around, always present. He is in us. It's deeper than just out here. It actually resides and exists within us. And God as us means that he has this incredible ability and willingness to be in our shoes, to be present in our life, to feel our emotions, to experience our happenings. The quoted words of Jesus in the Gospel of John, in the verse I've just read, are not I have come that you might not die. This is why I said at the beginning how I perceived the Gospel to be, which was not the full good news of the life that we have been given and the humanity that we possess. The words that John wrote is not I have come that you might not die. 
The words are, I have come that you might have life. So whatever this Christ mystery is all about, whatever this conveyed message of this person of Jesus, it has at its central core coming that you might have life. So something about the coming of Jesus was focused on you having life. And it uses a word, it says the life and have it more abundantly. That means more than just full. Uh, it means it means not just tolerated, not just something we have to survive until we die and quote, go to heaven or whatever uh, the thinking on that is. It means that here in this life that you might have life and have it more abundantly, more than just full. The, the Greek word for abundantly is perisos. And perisos means superabundant in quantity, superior in quality, excessive in nature, beyond in measure. That's the kind of life that, that we are supposed to be experiencing within the framework of our humanity so it's so we come out of that arena of all men die but not all men truly live to be the ones who truly live and that's what I believe the Easter message is about for you today and for me is to truly live and I want I want us to get a hold of that <clears throat> um, I don't think that you know I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly is, is some highfalutin religious idea only attainable through some vicious regime of self-denial. I think Jesus' death and resurrection are more about an end to the old and the beginning of the new. Or let me put it this way, the death of death. Okay. <laughs> so that we truly live... Even though we've been infected by this, this thing called birth, that we truly live. An end to the old, a beginning of the new. That's the real Easter story. An end to the old and a beginning of the new. The death of death. I pray today that you will experience the death of death, however that's showing up in your life. And we can treat uh, this uh, problem of of birth. Um, I honestly believe, I'm not always good at it, but I do believe it is the legacy of all to live, every single one of us. And it's the privilege of all to love. See, see life is the perfect treatment for the disease of birth. This is the treatment, okay? It's not a cure, okay? You are born, you will die physically, but life is the perfect treatment for the disease of birth. <clears throat> it will fill you with strength, it will fill you with hope. It, it, life is the perfect treatment for the disease of birth. But if we don't know how to live life, we cannot treat the disease of birth. We can only succumb to its ravages to where all we can see is you're born here and you die here and what the heck. And I also think that love, love is the lifeblood of a life fully lived. You can't fully live 
unless you're prepared to make room for love. And I think the degree to which you make room for love is probably the degree to which life will be fully lived. And, and in that arena of love, I would say just love for your humanity, love, love for your existence, love for yourself, love, love for others, love for your family, love for those who've become friends and are around you, love for those who are kind, love, love for nature, love for the world, love for the stars at night in the sky. Love for the holidays you've been able to spend and the things you've been able to see. Love for the for the food that's on the table and and the roof over your head and and and, and all of these things are are the lifeblood of a life fully lived. Um, so I would say just bringing that into an Easter context that the blood of Christ is the blood of love. You cannot separate this story of. Of, of Jesus and the cross and all the crucifixion, the resurrection, you cannot, you cannot separate that from uh, 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 this imbibed existence of, of love. Um, manifest throughout the expression of his life and how he wished to not only love, but to free people. So the blood of Christ is, is the blood of love. Remember that this Easter. So, so if, if, if life is the perfect treatment to this, to this uh, thing of birth, this, this, what's the word I'm looking at, this terminal condition that we suffer from of birth, then I would also link that to some other things that I've said before. When you strip away everything that's just stuff, if we wanting to understand life and, 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 and know how to live life and release life, if you strip away everything that's just stuff, according to Paul again in, 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 in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, he said you're left with only three things. Only three things remain. I'm, I'm guessing, therefore, that to live life fully, these are the three things that that are the these are the 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 elements within the treatment within life itself that will treat. This journey from birth to death with a great life. So he says these are the three things, the only three things that matter when you strip it all away. Faith, hope and love. Let me briefly put it this way because I've, I've, I've spoken many times about this. Faith is the antidote to sight. Why is that important? Because most of our conclusions about life about the past, about the present, about the future, are dictated and de determined by how we interpret what it is that we see or what it is that we think that we see or what it is that others present to us that we then see because they've shown it to us. But all of this stuff is, is what begins to work away um, and eat away at our spirit. So, so, so if you live by sight, 
All sight can ever do is again, steal, kill and destroy. Uh, suppress. Um, hold back, depress. Um, instill fear, all of those things. But faith is the antidote to sight. Now, I said last time that, that faith is the inner conviction that all will be well. That's still true in the context of that talk. That is a great definition of faith, the inner conviction that all will be well. So we talked about all will be well. I want to give you another just as accurate and just as relevant a definition of faith for today's message, which is faith is fully accepting that you are fully accepted. You will never be able to live life to the full until you fully accept that you are fully accepted. Now, I believe, particularly from my context and, and those of you who've been given any background contracts of a, of a spiritual nature, fully accepting that you are fully accepted by the divine, by God, by the creator, has not always been an easy thing, which is why we've needed to hide be behind the sacrifice of Jesus rather than enter in to the life of Jesus. So today, let faith rise in your heart, fully accepting that you are fully accepted, fully accepted by the divine, fully accepted by creation and all that is, you are a part of it, fully accepted by yourself, fully accepted, fully accepting that you are fully accepted. That's the faith that is the antidote to sight. When you embrace that, what you see, think you see, and I've imposed upon you about the past, the present and the future will no longer be able to hold over you the condemnation and the accusation and the guilt that it so often does. So fully accepting that you are fully accepted is the expression of faith and that is the antidote to sight. Fully accept right now that you're fully accepted and you're okay and you legitimately can live life out to the full, free of the tyranny of the shoulds. So faith, fully accepting you, fully accepted. Hope, if faith is the antidote to sight, hope is the antidote to faithful thinking. Okay, faithful thinking will always take you into a place of, of doubt, of fear, of loss, of low expectation, um, of self-degradation, uh, self-loathing, self-doubt, all of those, all of those things. But hope is the antidote to that faithful thinking. Remember, we define hope is the confident expectation that the last word has not yet been spoken. It ain't over yet, folks, okay? Somebody once said it's not over till the fat lady sings. Well, that's not nice to the fat lady because the fat lady uh, might need to sing, but she shouldn't point the finger. That's that's weightism or whatever you call it, okay? Uh, the Bible has a way of saying that. Basically, it says it ain't over till the barren woman sings, talking about the one who break into song and sing for joy because the one who was told she couldn't bear children has born children. That's the historic poetic thing um, uh, that it ain't over till the barren woman sings. In other words, what seems barren, what seems hopeless is not hopeless 
and it ain't over because there's going to be a song in all of this if you will grab this thing called hope and let it live in your heart. Hope is when you sit in the space that you can confidently say the last word has not yet been spoken. So faith, fully accepting that you're fully accepted is the antidote to sight. Hope, confidently expecting the last word has not yet been spoken is the antidote to faithful thinking. And the third one is love. Love is the antidote to fear. Uh, John wrote in, in his later writings, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. There's something about being secure in love, that you are loved, that you can love, that you have love, that, that dissolves fear. It's a solution of the to the problem of fear. Remember we said last week that, that for any problem to be re resolved, um, something has to melt because we call the answer to the problem a solution. The solution to fear is love. Fear will melt in the presence of unconditional known love. That's why John says... Um, there is no fear in love. It's why he says God is love. The very essence that fills the universe, that is the presence of the divine, um, is love itself. And it's just, it's there ready, waiting to be taken in, accepted, received and given out. Um, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Now, uh, because of my sin siege mentality, I used to think that the perfect love that drives out fear is when I perfectly love God, um, then I will not be afraid. Uh, but that's not what it meant. What it really means is that I am perfectly loved by God. Perfectly. As I am, as who I am, accepted, perfectly loved by God, unconditionally and without measure, perfectly loved by God and it's it when you grasp that love that's what drives out fear because there is no fear in love if love is present fear cannot be present and uh, if we do not fear life but we love life uh, you you get rid of the fear in life by loving life we have to love life love the fact that we are breathing and we are here Something changes when we start to love just the fact that we are breathing and we are here and something can happen. Remember, Easter is the end of the old and the beginning of the new. It's the death of death. So faith is the antidote to sight. Hope is the antidote to faithful thinking. And love is the antidote to fear. One more thing on that love. Uh, John wrote that fear has to do with punishment. If you think life is a punishment... And that you should be punished. Then you will always fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. But listen folks. Life is not a punishment. Now I know life can be hard. And there can be some difficult things in life. But life is not a punishment. Life. Life is not a punishment. Life is a gift. And uh, if we find that place of income. That you might have life that abundant. That more than that greater than. 
then the truth is we will come out of the place of the of the punishment that is to do with guilt and being wrongfully convicted to the place where we can live fully. So life is not a punishment. So here's my message for today. Live fully and love wastefully. In the light of what we've said, live fully and love wastefully. Now, just a couple of other things before I I, uh, leave this alone. Worship as we have defined it in a religious context is very weird to me now. Uh, Let me try and explain. I do not want and I would feel extremely embarrassed and uncomfortable if my son, daughter and grandson spent 30 minutes to an hour singing to me and about me and telling me how amazing I am every time they enter my presence. That's just weird. Think that's a bit weird. I would only be able to to justify this in my head through an extreme narcissistic view of myself. Uh, The truth is I want my family just to live fully and love wastefully. I could do without all but the occasional personal expression of love, thankfulness and devotion to me as a father. I could do without that if I can see that they are living life fully and loving wastefully. So here's where I wanted to bring you on this Easter Good Friday. The greatest worship you can give to the creator and the greatest honour you can give to what the Easter story represents is to live fully and to love wastefully. I am going to make today a day of worship for the goodness of Easter. And that worship is going to be me living fully and loving wastefully. This Easter may our hearts accept the message that the old is gone and the new is come. And death is dead. Birth is our launch pad and our act of grateful worship to our creator is to live fully and love wastefully. So have a truly great day. Live a truly great life. Make it count for something. Love God. Love good. Love great. Love so wastefully that you prove that love never fails. Easter says love wins and I agree. My love and blessing to you all and Chris as well this Easter time and uh, I will maybe say a few words um, on Sunday. I hope this is a great encouragement. Please get it out to people, get it around to people because I want this day to be a day when people say it was the day that I understood that the treatment to this thing that is terminal that is called birth, that only ends one way, that is in death, that the treatment is to live fully and love wastefully. Bless you guys. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. 
Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash Q Church York. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest. <laughs>